June 10th, 2019 is a day that I'll never forget. Uh, we were on our way back from a trip to Lubbock to see our oldest daughter, Brooke, who was in school there at Texas Tech. And uh, we had been waiting for several weeks to get the results on the biopsy that had been taken from one of the tumors that were covering both of our youngest daughter, Autumn's lungs. And so uh, they had taken a biopsy, sent it in in Dallas, uh, weren't able to identify what, um, what it was. And so they sent it away to MD Anderson in Houston. And, you know, we waited. Waiting is never easy. But when you're waiting to find out what the future looks like for someone that you love more than life itself, waiting is agony. Uh, we were about an hour away from getting home when my phone finally rang and we got that call we've been waiting for and the doctor said, uh, it's cancer. And I don't you know, remember a whole lot more about the rest of that hour drive home. I know that we got a little bit of information. They didn't know a whole lot. It was a very rare form of cancer. And they, there wasn't a whole lot they could tell us, but they told us that much. And, of course, I shared that with Sean and with Autumn, who were in the car with me. And then we rode uh, most of the rest of the way in silence back to the house. Uh, it's amazing how, at a time like that, there are a million different thoughts that go through your mind at the same time. Uh, obviously, um, you know, there was concern and, and uh, uncertainty about what the future looked like and all of that. Uh, up until that point, like all of us, I had experienced my share of, of challenges in life, but nothing like that. And in fact, you know, life wasn't perfect. It isn't for any of us, but it was pretty darn good. Our, our church, I was pastoring a church that was doing well. The church here was, was healthy and growing, and uh, for the most part, family was doing well, aside, of course, from autumn stomach pains and things like that that we'd been trying to figure out what was going on there for quite a long time. But aside from that, my marriage was in a great place. Uh, our oldest, Brooke, was, had just finished her second year at Texas Tech. The first year didn't go so great, but the second year was much better, so we were in a better place there, and Autumn was getting ready to start her senior year of high school. And so, uh, you know, there was a lot of good that was happening in our family at that time. And then, you know, we get hit with this massive tsunami wave called cancer, and it really just swept our, our feet out from under us. Um, so what do you do at a time like that? And, you know, I was, I was thinking back on that, and um, it, it was a difficult season because Brooke was away in Lubbock, we weren't able to be there with her, and so I knew, you know, she was going to be sorting through things, and obviously we were concerned about Autumn and how she was going to handle things, and I'll tell you, she has such unbelievable grace and faith uh, in how she handled the whole thing, but we still knew there was some uh, significant level of inner turmoil on top of the pain, the physical pain that just wouldn't go away, uh, but I, I think perhaps the most difficult part on the front end for me was watching how it impacted my wife, Sean. And ladies, you'll understand this, and especially if you have children. There's just something different about the way a mama's heart hurts for her children. And watching her kind of work through that and um, 
you know, constantly going to the Lord and spending literally hours in her prayer closet and just wrestling through that. Um, frankly, I didn't, I wasn't sure what to do. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure how to handle that situation. See, we'd never been through anything like that before. And at that point in time, I had been in full-time ministry for 25 years or 23 full-time, a couple years before that. I've been in ministry for about 25 years. Uh, I had graduated with a bachelor's degree from Baylor. I had a Master of Divinity and a Ph.D. from Southwestern Theological Seminary in Fort Worth. Um, I had counseled probably hundreds of other individuals walking through the difficult seasons of life. And I had prepared and preached close to a thousand different sermons. But I was about to experience God's faithfulness in ways that I had never personally experienced before. You know, it's one thing to talk about God's faithfulness. It's one thing to share with other people, which I had done countless times before, the scripture that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. But it's different when you're walking through the valley yourself. And today we're going to jump into um, this passage of scripture that reminds us of that. And I just have to tell you, um, you know, church family, it's great to hang out with God on the mountaintops, but we really get to know him when we walk through the valleys. And it's during those valleys and most difficult seasons of life that God shows us um, that he will never leave us or forsake us. And it takes our knowledge of that from something intellectual to something that we experience in a very personal way. And so um, we're going to talk today about God's faithfulness. We're going to look at that, that verse of Scripture in its original context. And yes, we are uh, in the midst of a series where we are also focusing some on marriage. But I have to tell you today, the majority of our time, we're just going to focus on God's faithfulness to us. And then there's going to be some obvious application you know, to other relationships. For those that are married, the application, of course, is God doesn't run away from us during difficult seasons. We don't do that from one another either. And I do want to encourage you, if you find yourself in, a, in your marriage in a difficult season, maybe even considering ending your marriage, to hit the pause button there. And just reconsider in light of God's faithfulness to us what that might look like for us to be faithful to one another. And, and those that aren't married, we have plenty of opportunities to express God's faithfulness to those around us, right? Whether it be family members, whether it be uh, friends that we have, people that are going through difficult seasons of life, and we have that opportunity to come alongside them. And obviously, I'm not saying we're God. We can never take the place of God. We'll get to that in a minute. We don't take the place of God in somebody's life, but we can be a consistent uh, person and support system for them that will never run away from them. I hesitate to say never leave you or forsake you because that sounds like we're being God and that's not what we do, but you get the idea, right? That's, that's what we can do once we've experienced God's faithfulness to us. So let's open our Bibles, if we could, to Deuteronomy 31. And uh, we're, we're going to get toward the bottom of this. You'll actually see in this passage of Scripture that that phrase is repeated twice. Once to all the people of Israel and once specifically to Joshua. It says, Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. 
Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og, the kings and the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Now, I think it's important for us to put into context what's going on here. The first time we see this, and obviously this phrase is repeated in the New Testament, but, but it comes out of this context where the people are about to enter the promised land, and they're about to do so without Moses. Now, think about that for a moment. Think about all that God has done through Moses to this point. He has used Moses to lead the people out of bondage in Egypt. Once they, they, they came out, and, and the reason they did, by the way, is because God worked through Moses to even bring about the curses, the plagues that he brought on the people. And finally, they let them go, so they leave. As they are going, the Egyptians change their minds and think, what were we doing? And they go back after the Israelites to try to get them and to, to, to capture them and bring them back as slaves. And they're trapped with the Red Sea on one side, the Egyptians on the other, and God parts the seas. People walk through on dry ground. Moses is the instrument God uses to do that. And when the Egyptians, of course, try to follow, waters come back together, they're drowned. So now they're, they're free of the Egyptians, but now they're in the desert. They don't have food. They don't have water. Again, Moses is the representative that goes before God and cries out to God. And God provides this manna, that just food that just appears on the ground every morning. He even provides quail that, that he brings in so they can have meat. He has Moses strike a rock and water comes out of a rock. I mean, just think about all the, the, the ways that the people looked up to Moses. And they certainly, hopefully, understood that God was the one leading them, but but Moses was the guy. He was the one with, with flesh and bones that they could look up to. And so they, they get all the way to the edge of the promised land. And they camp out in a place called Kadesh Barnea. Right on the edge of the promised land. And they send spies in basically to scout it out and figure out what their plan of attack should be. And there are 12 that go, one from each tribe. And they come back and 10 of the 12 say the people are too big. There's no way. We can't possibly attack them and overtake them. And the people listened to those ten. And as a result, Moses is not able to lead the Israelites into the promised land. They, they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Specifically, it says until all of those who were 20 years old or older, until all of them died off, except for two, Joshua and Caleb, who were the two that said we should go and do it. And so, 40 years later, when it's time for the people again to enter into the promised land, Moses tells them, I'm not going with you. Now, can you imagine how the people must have felt? I mean, Moses is the only leader they've ever known. Most of them were born while they were wandering in the desert. Only those who were between the ages of zero and, and 19 you know, are still alive at this point, potentially. But even they had only known Moses as their earthly leader. 
And so now they're told to enter into enemy territory. They're going to have to go to war, and they're going to have to do all of that without Moses. You talk about bringing some insecurities up to the surface, right? Now, they are given an earthly leader, and that's the person of Joshua. Um, but even still, you know, Moses was, was the one. And so we could see where this would be a very uncertain time for them. And that leads me to the first main idea I want to share with you today. We experience God's faithfulness most at the height of our insecurity and uncertainty. That's when we experience God's faithfulness. The people are getting ready to go into the wilderness. They're, they're uncertain about what the future holds. And that's when God says to them, I will never leave you or forsake you. And it makes it clear, Moses makes it clear in verse 2, that this is not some accident. Moses is not just dying of old age. It's very clear. He says, I'm 120 years old and I'm no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. So it's God's doing. It's not that he couldn't have still used Moses if he chose. But you may remember the rest of the story. There was a second time when the people needed water and Moses went about providing that water in a way that didn't honor God. He didn't do what God told him to do. And as a result, God says, you're not going to enter the promised land. And so he doesn't. So Moses isn't allowed to go. This is God's doing. But God is saying to them over and over again, let me remind you that I am the one who will lead you into the promised land. And beginning in verse 3, he tells what God is going to do. And he says things like, he will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations before you. He will do to them what he did to the other kings. He will deliver them to you. The Lord goes with you. And then he says two different times, he will never leave you nor forsake you. In just four verses, Moses mentions God eight different times. And so it's really, really clear here that God is the one who is going to lead them. Now again, as we said a moment ago, he, they did have an earthly leader, and that was Joshua. And Joshua was well-suited and prepared to lead the people. Uh, in fact, I read something. I thought this was kind of cool in my just devotional time. I'm going through a chronological Bible this year. And so I was reading in Exodus, the end of Exodus this week. Exodus 33:11 says, The Lord would speak to Moses face-to-face -face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Isn't that fantastic, this, this image? So Joshua would go with Moses when Moses would meet with God. And even after Joshua left the presence of God, I mean, excuse me, after Moses left the presence of God, Joshua would stay behind. And he would just linger there in God's presence. And I can't help but to believe that this was all part of, in addition to Moses mentoring him, this was part of, of Joshua's preparation to lead the people out. He was learning what it means to be in the presence of God and how important that is in, in, in leading the people. And so they do have a leader in Joshua, but it's still a scary time because the people were used to following Moses. And so now they have another opportunity. They're right back where they had been 40 years ago. 40 years earlier, they didn't have faith to step out. They, they cowered, they listened to those that said, we can't do it, and they missed out on what God wanted to give to them at that point in time. And so now here's a whole other group of people. And the question is, are they going to let fear and uncertainty keep them from entering the promised land, or... Are they going to be willing to take a step of faith 
and do what God says even though it's scary? And the answer, thankfully, is B. They chose to take a step of faith, and that leads me to the, the second place that I want to camp out here for a little bit today, and, and that is that in order for us to experience God's faithfulness, we must engage in the battle. See, it's in the battle that we experience the faithfulness of God. Notice that God, if you continue on reading and, and, and even go into the book of Joshua, where it's the rest of the story as Joshua is leading the people, it's very, very clear that they still had to engage in battle. In fact, it's a pretty, pretty gory book, the book of Joshua is. It's just battle after battle. Uh, notice that they don't camp out on the edge of the promised land while God just wipes all the people out and removes all the danger and all the obstacles and then they just come in and, you know, easy as can be. That's not how God does it. Now sometimes it seems like it would be nice, doesn't it, if God did things that way and it's like, hey, you mean I could just kind of sit here and I'll let God take care of everything and he can remove all my problems and remove all the difficulties from my life. He'll just wipe all that stuff out and then I'll just come prancing in and everything will be great. Wouldn't that be nice? You know what the real answer to that question is? No. It wouldn't be. It would be easy, but that wouldn't be a good thing because it's in the battle that we experience God's faithfulness. See, this was really a gift to the people that God allowed them to go through this because uh, God is giving them the opportunity to experience him at work. By allowing them to actually engage in the battle, he's going to let them see in a way that they would have never seen before how faithful he is. And I just want to encourage you and remind you that we got to get involved. we got to get in the battle if we really want to see God and, and experience God in unique ways. I was uh, speaking with one of our church members this week and uh, or a couple weeks ago maybe, and I've noticed he just looks extremely fit. He's looking really good, and I commented about it. And he said, well, I've started doing jujitsu." I was like, oh, okay, that's, that sounds kind of cool. And so I, I have to admit, I knew that jujitsu was some form of martial art. I didn't know the difference between jujitsu and karate and taekwondo, and I, I just didn't know. And so I looked it up, and here's what I found out. And I will quote from one internet site. Unlike other martial arts like karate and taekwondo, jiu-jitsu's main focus is on grappling and ground fighting. It focuses on technique and strategy instead of brute strength. So there are different techniques that you can employ in jiu-jitsu when you're fighting. And one of those, of course, is they, they try to choke each other out when they're fighting. And so I looked at that and I figured it out and it's something like this. See, y'all want to see that again, because I know that was, that was probably hard to take in all at once when you weren't ready. Here it goes, ready? There we go. Thank you. Now, I know just as much about jujitsu as my friend who actually engages in tournaments, right? Wouldn't you agree with that? No. Because it's one thing to see a picture of it on the internet. It's another thing to actually get in, the, get in the fight, right? Get in the battle. If we want to experience the faithfulness of God, 
we got to do more than just sit back and look for pictures and, for that matter, even just read about it in the Scripture, as important as that is. got to live that stuff out. we got to take what we're learning and, and engage. And that's when we really see and experience uh, God's faithfulness for ourselves. Thankfully, the people did have a, a track record that they could look back on. Uh, in Deuteronomy 29, which is just a couple of chapters before where we are here, in Deuteronomy 29, 5, it says, Yet the Lord says, During the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. Now, isn't that remarkable? And we've already talked about how God made uh, the manna appear. Did you realize he made manna appear for them every single day for 40 years until they entered the promised land and were able to eat of the fruit of the land? That's God's faithfulness. He provided for them in so many different ways. And so, yeah, they had a track record to look back on, but they still had to take that step of faith to engage in the battle. So, with that in mind, I want to ask you a really important question today. Here it is. I want us to ask ourselves this question, really. Here's the question. Am I missing opportunities to experience God's faithfulness because I'm playing it safe? Am I missing opportunities to experience God's faithfulness because I'm playing it safe, because I'm staying out of the battle? And frankly, you can probably do that and remove yourself from anything dangerous and just kind of hang back and you can sit there on the outskirts of the promised land forever. But who wants to do that? I, I want to I be a part of what God is doing. I want to see God at work and experience God's faithfulness and and so engage in the battle maybe that means taking some steps that are way outside your comfort zone maybe it means you know reaching out and, and sharing the gospel with somebody in your life and you just have been nervous about doing that maybe it means getting involved in some type of ministry maybe it means stepping out and trusting God in your finances in some areas where you've been really scared to do that or maybe it means getting involved in a new Bible study or maybe leading something but but there are so many opportunities that God gives us to step into the battle and to be a part of what he's doing so don't let fear don't let anxiety keep you from engaging in the battle. Let me remind you again what God says here, and he said it twice. But it says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That was specific instruction given to Joshua because Joshua was about to have to lead the people without Moses. And he just reminds him, God's not going to leave you. Church family, let me just remind you of the same thing. When you take those steps of faith, when you step out and engage in the battle, God's not going to abandon you. In fact, just the opposite is going to happen. You're going to experience him in ways that you never have before. You know, the reason we can have confidence in that, yes, we have the scriptures and we have the stories and all that, but the ultimate expression of God's faithfulness to us is the cross. God didn't have to do that. Jesus didn't have to come. He didn't have to give his life up for us. He could have very easily looked at us when we were being unfaithful and said, enough of that. I'm just going to go on and, and, and start over. In fact, he, he said that to Moses a few times. Remember, he said, let me wipe the people out and I'll start fresh. And Moses pleaded with him and said, no, don't do that. The cross is God's definitive statement that I'm never going to abandon you. I, I love you so much that I'm going to send my own son to become a sacrifice in your place. That's God's faithfulness to us. 
And ironically, the only person who has ever been forsaken by God is Christ himself. When he cried out, why do you, do you leave me? Why have you forsaken me? And it was because he was bearing the, the, the wrath of God for us. The full brunt of, of all of our sin. He experienced that on our behalf. But because of that, that means that we don't have to. And so when I encourage you to engage in the battle, I'm encouraging you to do so from a place of victory, knowing that the battle has really been won already. See, Jesus, Jesus won it for us. When he defeated sin, when he defeated death, when he came back from the grave, Jesus won the battle. And so we can engage in our battles from that place of confident victory, knowing that Christ has already won. And so that gives us the courage to step forward and, and to do it. And it also reminds us that we don't do it in our own strength. That's what the gospel message is all about, is that God does this through us. So we can step in. We can come alongside. We can encourage other people that are going through a difficult season. I think about what the scripture says, that we carry one another's burdens. You know, that, that's something practical that we can do because our burden has been lifted because we've experienced the faithfulness of God. Now we can carry someone else's burdens. But let me say something really important along those lines. Yes, we come alongside to help carry burdens for a season, but to help carry someone's burden is not the same thing as taking that on as your own burden. There's a difference there. And sometimes subconsciously, I think maybe we take on a little bit of a Messiah complex, and it's like, I have to solve this person's problem. I've got to solve my child's problem. I've got to solve my spouse's problem, my friend's problem. It's up to me, and if I don't do it, then no, that's not our job. Our job is to point them to the one who can take away all those burdens and solve those issues. So yes, we help carry burdens. We don't take those on as if they are ours, but we point them toward God and allow Him to do that. So I want to encourage you to do that in the relationships in your life. And then for those that, that are married, one last little piece of, of application here. What does this look like in the context of, of marriage? And I want to share one more verse of Scripture as we prepare to wrap up here. In Matthew 19, Jesus was asked a question. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason... And then let's read his answer in Matthew 19, starting in verse 4. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. As the reason it's wrong to, to bail out of a marriage, the reason divorce is wrong is because it's ripping apart what God has joined together. That's what Jesus said. He said, let's go back to the very beginning and understand that God put you together. And, and we need to honor that. Now, I don't share that to, to be critical of those who've been through a divorce or to put you on a guilt trip. That's not the point at all. God does bring forgiveness and God cleanses us. I simply share that for those that are married to, 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 to be encouraged to know that we are to remain faithful to one another. Just as God is faithful to us, we remain faithful to one another. And you know that same principle applies to other relationships too. 
It applies to relationships within a family dynamic that we continue to to love and support and, and be faithful to those that God has put in our lives. It applies to friendships, those people that God has put into your path, especially other believers, because the Bible speaks very clearly to the importance of us pouring into relationships with other believers. We need those people in our lives. We need those people that we can love and and be loved by. And so I just want to offer that encouragement that when things get difficult in your marriage, in your family, in your relationships, that you don't bail out. Because God has said to us, I will never leave you or forsake you. Can I just tell you that the last two and a half years of my life have been some of the most difficult for sure. But they've been a season that I've experienced the faithfulness of God in ways that I never have before. There have been a lot of days where my heart has felt like it's weighed about 100 pounds. But during those days, that's when I sense God carrying me through more than any other. And I know that many of you can relate to that. For whatever reason, your story may be different. And maybe it is because of a difficult relationship or even a difficult marriage. And maybe you feel that weight on you and you just want to you just want it to go away you don't want to have to deal with it anymore but I just want to remind you that when we're carrying that extra weight when we are going through a difficult season when we're engaged in battle that's when we experience the faithfulness of God unlike any other time so don't give up don't run away God has been faithful to us and as a result we need to demonstrate that same kind of faithfulness to others in our lives as well let's pray together Lord it's hard to stick with it sometimes but I pray today that you would show us your faithfulness to us and that by experiencing that Lord it would give us the courage to continue on in the relationships that we have as well. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that you didn't abandon us when you so easily could have. But just the opposite, Lord, you leaned in even more. And you showed your love in a way that we can never repay and maybe never even fully understand, but we're grateful for. So thank you for that. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.